guys like to sing? Yeah, I really like to sing. Some are still singing now. I don't know what happens, but something when we get older, we just stop singing. But kids, you ever get around kids? They love to sing. Doesn't matter, boys and girls, all ages. You started out, what did you start out with in school? Row, row, row your boat. Okay, you can't help it. It's in you, right? You just, you just did. Old McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's down deep in your very loins. And you had that as a kid. Now, sometime when we get older, somewhere we get it and become Christians. And somewhere that just goes away for a lot of people. It's just like we just stop the singing. It's just not important. And why do it? Because the church, you know, hires singers or we play quality uh, DVDs and in, in song and digitally mastered singing and soundtracks and we don't do it now we know that in the cab of your truck your guys you're singing an old tune maybe one of your old favorite country tunes and all my exes live in Texas that's why I live in Tennessee right and women you're singing you're not singing loud most places but you're in your little Honda Civic and you're singing out an old Shania Twain tune I feel like a woman it's true it's true and somewhere we think and get the Christianity that you know they're singing and it's angels seraphim and cherubim whatever they are and it's all happening up there. And then we get here, we do a couple songs on a Sunday, and it's like, eh, not so much. And some of us, you know, we're just kind of like this. We're not into the singing thing. Somewhere along the way, somebody told you you couldn't sing, and you, maybe you can't. I don't know that it really matters to God. But I'm going to give you a fact. I'm just going to give you a theological, this is a theology lesson today. You were created to sing. We, as a people, are created to sing together. We are a singing people. Now, I know in your mind, you say, I don't feel like a singer. I don't sound like a singer. But you were made to sing. It is God's design for you. Regardless of your tonal ability, it's the fact of your creation. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know that God wrote songs. He's a songwriter. I think of one in Deuteronomy where he specifically wrote a song for Moses, and he told Moses, I want you to take this song that I wrote, and I want you to get them to sing it. He asked his people to sing. He said it this way in Deuteronomy 31:19. Moses, now write this song. Write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. It was a song of truth, a song of conviction, but he wrote the song. We see also that God instructed others to sing, and he made them singers, and he had them write their songs down and put it in his songbook, which we call the Psalms, and also the Song of Solomon. He wrote songs. Our picture of Jesus is a talking Jesus, any movie you've ever seen made about Jesus was a talking Jesus, Jesus of parables, Jesus saying loving things, Jesus saying things of conviction. 
but it was never of a singing Jesus. And yet we get this glimpse into Jesus' daily life that he was a singing Messiah. We say that very clearly in Matthew 26, 30. It was the end of the Last Supper. Judas had already decided and Satan inhabited him to betray the Lord Jesus. Jesus had gone down on his knees and he had wrapped a towel around his loins and he had washed their feet. And when they had finished all that, he's about to go to his crucifixion. He's going to go to the garden and he's going to pray. And before his prayer, he did one thing. They all got together and they sang. He said it in his word in Matthew 26, 30. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They went and sang. We see in the scriptures that there's a lot of singers. The sons of Korah, the singing group. Lucifer, not a great example of a positive singer, but was a musician and a singer before his fall. For centuries, God has instructed his people to come together and to sing. As a matter of fact, in temple life, when you went into the glorious temple where God is inhabiting and people praised him, there were singers in the temple to await you. There were choruses of priests singing the songs. God, when he chose a worshiper, he chose a worshiper to be the king of Israel and from him would come the seed of the Messiah. And he brought King David, who was a songwriter and a singer. And in the temple courts, you get a picture of heaven. You go in to bring your sacrifice, and as you went in, and you went into the courts of praise, and what's the courts of praise? That's the place where the priests, choir sing, and you are taken into the glories. And it's just emblematic of what it's going to be like in eternity. We'll talk about that in a moment. God brought together a choir, and he brought together musicians. We've been going through Nehemiah, and you say, what on earth does this have to do with Nehemiah? And as a matter of fact, all the messages I've ever heard taught on Nehemiah and never taught myself and uh, never really heard anyone talk about the singing part of it. But this is interesting. God brought together, when he had dedicated the temple, when he had built the altar of sacrifice, when he had reinforced the walls, when he had opened up the scrolls and read and taught the people the word of God and brought them to their knees in conviction, he still, when he went to dedicate the temple, God made a call through Nehemiah and Ezra. And what do you think it was? We need some singing in this house. What do you think? We need some singing. We need some music. We need some musicians. I love it. We're in Nehemiah 12 and verse 27. Just listen to this. This is the priority of God. And I know many of us in here are thinking, oh, I don't know the whole singing thing. I mean, I understand the praying thing. I understand the Bible reading thing. I understand the preaching thing, but the singing thing, I, that's just kind of like a throwaway. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, I'm, I'm hoping that's diminishing, would come to service after the singing is over. They just couldn't be bothered with it. We'll talk about that as well. It says this in Nehemiah 12, 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites, note that, the Levites, were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals and harps and lyre. 
He said, when it's time to dedicate, we need some music in this house. And he brought, and he ordered them, and he said, notice this, he said the Levites. Now the Levites were from bloodline from the tribe of Levi. They weren't necessarily born with a vocal gift. They didn't necessarily have a musical gift. They didn't necessarily, they weren't able to hold a tune. But he said, you know what your job is, priest? The priest is to represent the people before God, and they served and facilitated the worship of God. You know what your job is, he said? You need to come together because we need some singing. He didn't say, oh, we need the, those that can sing. He never asked. All of you who can sing and who like to sing and want to sing, you all come forward, and we need you singing. No. That wasn't the call. He said, I need all of you front and center, and I need the singers, and I need you playing your cymbals and your lyres and your harps. I need you doing it. And maybe there were some of those in that day like us that said, ah, I can't do it. I, I feel bad. I've been told. My, my wife told me that I can't sing, can't hold a note. I was in high school. I tried to sing, and people just laughed at me, and so I just don't sing except in my car and in my in my shower. Now they were priests. Now what do you think you are? God has called you a royal priesthood. You no longer need priests anymore to mediate between you and God. You go directly to the throne and you are now the priest, which makes you automatically the singers. You were created and designed to sing, and we are a singing people. Now, the musicians were called out and do their part as well. And there were those who were obviously skilled in music, and so we called all the Levites, and they were going to have a chorus. They had two choirs, by the way. He said it this way in Nehemiah 12, 28 to 29. He said, the musicians also were brought together with the region around Jerusalem. From the villages, uh, Netapathetes, from Beth Gilgal, from the area of Geba, from Ashmaveth, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. So he called all the musicians. He said, we need the singers and we need musicians. Didn't call for a rehearsal. I'm sure they did. I'm sure that maybe they played together. Maybe they played in their villages. I, I don't really know. We don't know. And then Nehemiah went and he appointed not one choir, but two choirs. He took all these people and he says, I'm going to make sure that everybody hears you singing at this dedication. This isn't just a little event where we put you up on the stage. We're going we're gonna to cover the place with singing. And so he said it this way in Nehemiah 12. He said, I had the leaders of Judah go on top of the wall. And I also assigned two large choirs to Give thanks. That's what singing does. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. I want to say this to all of you in here, especially you that have been gifted musicians and singers. You especially, God is calling you up and out to play and to sing for him. My thing for you, you're asking, like, I don't know how to do that. I'd like you to start praying for that. Have you prayed about that? Have you asked God, God, how do you want me to use my gift? God, would you make a room for my gift? 
Would you maybe consider by faith talking to somebody that, of some place that could, that could use your gift? You don't need to push it or drive it. God will do that for you. But ask how you can use your gift. And so at this point in life, they didn't have singing. Remember, these were captive, oppressed people. They went away. They lost singing in their life. They lost the joy of music. Nehemiah reflects on what it used to be in the past, and he writes this down in Nehemiah 12, 46. He, he says, this is the way it used to be, guys. It used to be that we had singing and praise all the time, and we're going to restore it. And so, brethren, I'm telling you today, we are going to restore worship in its proper place. Good, loud, strong, theologically sound singing. He said, for long ago in the days of David and Asaph, talking hundreds of years before, there had been directors for the musicians and for songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. He said, guys, we, we used to have it, but we lost it. And we're going to get it back again. And so he called him out, and he did. By the way, the first and greatest hymnal is the ancient Judaic one, and it's called the Book of Psalms. It's a hymnal. That's all it is. It's a bunch of songs. Ancient Jews and Orthodox today spend a lot of time in the songs, in the Psalms, singing about God. The Shema is sung in Jewish households all over the world. Everyone knows it. It's a song of God's character and greatness right from the scriptures. While the importance of Music has been elevated in churches substantially, and it has. In the last four decades, we have elevated the importance of music and singing in the church. But, but we have lowered the importance and the significance of congregational singing. We have elevated music, and we've got great worship teams and bands, and what you heard today, wonderful digitized worship that's just incredible, and we're grateful for all of that. But we've lowered the importance of not only singing as a congregation, but singing together. And there's a reason that we need to do that. I've been in many churches, and I'm going to throw hours in here and going through this, where I've been places where just wonderful worship, wonderful worship bands, great hosts of singers that come out front, perfect harmony, clearly well rehearsed and gifted. Some of them hired professionals, maybe did this professionally or still do. And I've watched congregations and observed congregations move into the beat, but yet not engaged in the singing. Because in their heart and mind, they believed that the church has hired out the singing on their behalf. And we need to be called back in that theologically that is incorrect. You are the singers. This team up here only helps you to sing your part. And so we become an audience rather than a participant. Somewhere in the Western church, we came to believe that singing was only for the singers. Brethren, you were created and designed to sing regardless of your gifting. I love Johnny Erickson Todd. I've used her before in this example. She's a quadriplegic. She can't use her arms. She can't use her legs. And in her distress from the first time of her accident now, 50 years later, 
um, song has been a major part of sustaining her life. Imagine yourself for a moment that you're dependent on somebody every day to do things for you. As you're in your wheelchair and, and, and trying to make it happen, her dependence on God and the way that she filtered that and got that out was through song. And the thing I love about her is her example to us. Wherever Johnny is, people will tell you, I've heard many testimonies, wherever room she's in, she's at a little, at your house for dinner, She's at a, a little gathering, a party of the saints. She's in a car with you. At any moment, Johnny will break out and sing a hymn. And she changes the whole atmosphere of the place. Johnny believes that she was created to sing and to sing to the saints. And we were created to sing to one another. The purpose of singing, the singing will bring us to the truth or it will bring us away from the truth. What we sing matters. We sing both to God, and this is the new theology for many of us here. We sing yes to God, the audience of one, but we also sing to one another. He says that very clear. Paul writes this in Ephesians. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. He said, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, what does a spirit-filled person do? Speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, when you're together, sing to one another. Sing. We have, uh, in our elders' meeting, we get together, we, we close. I thank Pastor Tony for starting this, Pastor Bob for keeping this going, this tradition that we have. is After we've taken the Lord's Supper, we take communion together. When we meet, um, we sing a song afterwards. It's just what we do. And we're singing it to one another. There's hardly a guy in there that can hold a tune. Um, sometimes it's hard on the ears. But you know what? We're faithfully obeying what God has told us to do. We're singing to one another. And that's what we do. We sing. We don't sing from the head. We sing from the heart. First time, remember, a lot of you know, I, would, I did not grow up in a home where Jesus was allowed. I mean, his name was there, but always in vain. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I did not have exposure to church life, to Christianity, but I remember vividly like it was today, second grade. I don't remember anything about kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third. I have a very, I'm very, very faint recollection. But I remember a particular day like it was today. I remember where I was sitting in the classroom. I can still picture the face of the teacher. She was a substitute. And she came in and she had us all stand and she says, we're going to sing a song. And she sang it with all her heart, and she had us singing it, and it stuck in me. He's got the whole world in his hands, she sang. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got all the little children in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. That word got in me, and I sang it at the top of my lungs, living in darkness and the chaos of my house. It was good to know there was God 
who had me in his hands. It's a simple kid's song, you say. What does it matter? It mattered a great deal. I hung on to that moment to this day because he does. He has the whole world in his hands. And she sang it from her heart, and you knew it was real when she sang it. And she burst out with song. You know when somebody means it. And she did. And when we sing also, I just point this out as an aside. We'll deal with this next week. When we sing, we're not only singing to each other as believers. We sing to the unbeliever. You sing to the unbeliever. You ever been a place where the, the music has just penetrated you? You've been to a concert, a secular concert, a Christian concert, and everyone there, and it's a full house, and the voices resonate, and because the person next to you is singing loud, you start singing louder, and, and yet the whole song, and you know the chorus, and people sing the bridge, and, the, and you just got it all down, and you sing, and it just takes you in. We're to be a singing people, brethren. You were created to sing, created to sing to one another and to the unbeliever. It's evangelistic. We need song. The thing about singing that you've never heard, most of us have left the service and we've critiqued it. Let's, on it. Let's be honest, okay, it doesn't hurt my feelings. You've critiqued the sermon and you said, you know, that wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't as good. Just, well, it just didn't hit home for me. I don't think the anointing was there. You know, whatever that evaluation is that you do. But no one has ever asked, I don't believe, have anyone ever asked and said, you know, how, how do you think we sang today? How, how was the singing? How did we say? I know mean, you've evaluated, when we had a worship team up here, you evaluated them. We judged them. Let's just use that word. But... Do we evaluate our own singing? Like, how did we sound today? Yeah, I thought we sounded good. I was good singing today. That's, that's God's heart. That's what Paul's saying. Like, you sing to one another. How was the singing? He doesn't ask you if you can sing. God's asking you, will you sing? We don't sing because we love to sing, by the way. We sing from the heart because we love the one who made us to sing and who rescued us from the penalty, penalty of rebelling against him. And so here's the truth. There are many that will come and they gather as a church and then after a while, especially during COVID, and said, you know what, this whole gathering thing, I, I, I don't miss it. And so I, I don't think we need this gathering thing much anymore. It really doesn't do anything for me. I've heard that many times. It, doesn't, it really doesn't help me in any way. It doesn't do anything for me. Uh, and so when we add this singing element, in here, there's a truth that we need to have, theological truth. We gather not to get something out of it. We gather not to get something out of it. Rather, we gather to put something in. Our job is to put something in. So the person who decides to sit out, what they're doing is they're not coming and doing what we're instructed to do, and that is to sing, not only to God, but to one another. We've lost our part. We've, we've abstanced ourselves. We sing because it's God's way of writing his word on our heart. This morning you sang three songs. They were carefully chosen. They were to take you deep in the gospel message. They were to reinforce in us that God, yes, has mercy on us and that he substituted for our sins by shedding his blood and covering it over. And now he buries them deep into the sea and on the surface. That, that those are 
those are his words going deep. They're not meant to stay in the head. They're, they're meant to go down deep. By the way, all lyrics are, have a message. They're, they're not neutral. There's no such thing as neutral lyrics. They're, they all have a message about something. So we're careful what we, what we put in. It's his way of putting it in. And, and, and here this is like for preachers, maybe this is tough, and I know a lot of us believe this, guys that are at the pulpit like me. Singing is not the warm-up act for the main event. It's not. It's not the warm-up for the main event. It is up there with the preaching. It's taking his words and we're singing it out and we're exhorting and encouraging one another and we're singing to God and the preaching is just part of that. It's, just, it's, a, it's an addendum to it. it. It's not the event. And we've come to believe that, but it's not. You were born and created to sing. You may forget. Here's a fact. This is, this is hard, okay? This is where it hurts. <laughs> you may forget and probably will forget most of the sermons you ever hear. You'll remember some things. You'll forget most. But when you walk out of here, there's a good chance you're walking out with a song that you sang. That's the way God designed it. That's why he said, Moses, hey, have them sing it. He didn't say have them memorize it. Have them go to a Bible study and take this apart in the Hebrew and decipher it. He didn't say that. He said, no, have them sing it because he knew that emotionally you'd get it from head to your heart and it would stay with you all your life. We have VBSs that we've had here 15 years ago and Vacation Bible School is a great place for kids. And, but I, I'm fully aware that after the fun has dissipated and the excitement of VBS has gone away, that the thing that stays with the kids and our adult leaders, by the way, the thing that stays with them forever is the songs that they learned. It just hangs on. And we still have, we have grown adults now that we're here as kids that will still say, you know, I remember that VBS song that we used to sing. God's got this. And they'll just do it. They got the hand movements and, you know, He gets his word in his heart. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I was a really little kid when uh, there was an animated television show. You may have seen it. It was called Davy and Goliath. It was produced by the Lutheran Church. And uh, I was glued to it. I didn't tell anybody because it, it was like it had these, it was so pure. It was so not like my growing up. But the theme song because it's Lutheran, they picked a hymn written by Luther, by Martin Luther. But the, the, the theme song was, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And as a kid, that instructed me. It got written after the second grade. He's got the whole world in his hands. And a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark that never faileth. I didn't know what a bulwark was. I learned it was a wall. But it didn't matter because I remember that something didn't fail, and I think it's God. And I held on to that for years. A mighty fortress is our God. To this day, in times of anguish, I will sing out and belt out a tune. A mighty fortress is our God. And by the way, we will be singing that next week, preparing you. So you might want to bone up on your King James a little bit because I... We got uh, yeah. I'll, I'll help us through it. In high school, 
I had my senior year was just kind of going to take it easy. It had enough credits to graduate by then, and so I, I dropped out of tennis. And, and my buddy Tom had gotten out of his sport, and he was a really good singer. And uh, the high school that I went to in Torrance, California. Uh, just happened to be very well known for its quality choir. It wasn't like a geeky thing. It was like a cool thing. And I thought, and he said, he begged me, he said, Greg, I know you like to sing. You got to join the choir. I said, nah, Tom, you know, cool kids don't do choir. And uh, not that I was cool, but, you know, sometimes you're a wannabe. And um, I was a wannabe. And he talked me into it. And the, the choir choral director was very passionate about singing, and he made sure we... And I had some musical background. I could count beats and I could somewhat read music. And, and, uh, but every year in directing the Christmas event, back then you could call it Christmas, um, at a public school, he had us all sing the Hallelujah Chorus by Handel from Handel's Messiah. I don't know if you've ever heard it. But when Handel first played that, the, the king that was present uh, was so moved that he stood to his feet in amazement. I wasn't a believer. His word was instructing me again. King of kings and Lord of lords, our God omnipotent, he reigneth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. People, in the congregation, knowing the tradition, many believers cried as we sang. Perfect melody, a hundred strong choir of altos and sopranos and baritones and bass and mixing together, singing to the omnipotence and greatness of God. It instructed the heart. Unbeliever, I was moved by it. And so were many who were out there. Strong congregational singing indwells a revival. And the great reformation under Martin Luther, we, the church was getting reset back to its soundness and the, the deity of Christ again and not of man. As that was, reformation was coming in, Luther knew that the people needed to be instructed. And he was compelled that they would be instructed to sing again. Like the days of Nehemiah, when they came back and now they're being set free, you got to sing. And so he wrote hymns like A Mighty Fortress is Our God and many, many others. And he instructed the people to sing. And when they sang, they got God's word in their heart. And it, and it stirred and ignited revival in people who did not yet have the word of God to read, but they could sing it. We sing strong songs about God's character. We sing songs not only to ourselves, but to uplift the character of God. We need to sing songs that align with God's word, that also talk about his character and who he is, as David wrote. And so we use here, we have a screening process here at Lighthouse on, on worship songs. We, uh, we didn't always have this, and we went through some time back our portfolio with five people I, if I remember right involved in this process where we went through every single song we had in, in our collection of songs and we, we asked the question does it line up biblically does it stir the affections for Jesus is Jesus glorified we just put those together it, 
And it didn't matter. And yeah, we wanted a good tune, but not all of them have a good tune. You know, sometimes you need to sing songs that you need to sing. Not because you love them. Sometimes you just need the truth in our singing. And so we have that. Singing unites us. It brings us together. I don't know how I like baseball and Dodgers are my team, in case you're wondering. I hope that doesn't cause any division between any of us. Um, but I love Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field is great to watch the Cubbies play. Whenever I'm out there, my brother lives out there, and I'll go when I can to my favorite stadium. Uh, but they do something at the seventh inning. At the seventh inning, with all their heart, soul, and gusto, they sing. Take me out to the ball game. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever get back. And, you know, these are afternoon games, so no one's going back to work. They mean it. They're singing it with all their heart. It just unites people. And when we sing with the gusto of light, it, it unites us. And brethren, we will be singing in eternity. You got to start practicing now. This is practice. Because whether you know it or not, and you think you're not a singer today, you're going to be a singer later. And it's time to start singing. Revelation paints a picture in Revelation 15 of what it's going to be like in heaven. He talks about a song. God even has songs and the lyrics all picked out. There's a song in there if you want to read it. He's got his own lyrics. Let me just give you the beginning. The revelation through the apostle John, he said, And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, standing beside the sea, and those who had been victorious over the beast, and its image, and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God. Who gave them the harps? God. And sang songs. Sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb, meaning Jesus, the Lamb of God. There's a song and he goes on and lists it in the rest of 15 about the, the song that we'll be singing. Heaven will be filled with music. It'll be glorious music. We don't know it in full. We can't possibly comprehend in our pea little brain. I don't know what kind of songs we'll sing. You know what? It doesn't matter what you sing. It just need to sing a good song that's sound, that lines up with God, that stirs your affections. You can sing what we, we can sing what we like so long as the lyrics are sound. Are sound. Some days we're in the Psalms, the the Psalms, there's dirges, funeral dirges that aren't all that exciting. The other songs of victory, there's battle songs, there's songs of joy and rejoicing. There's songs only about God's character. There's all kinds of songs. There are some days, I have to admit, that I just want to get down deep into an old hymn and belt it out. And there are other days when I need the uplifting joy of a Kirk Franklin Hezekiah Walker, I just need to praise him, praise him. Some days I just need to get the soul of Israel out. Some days I just need to break these chains, and some days with Kirk I just need to stop. And it's okay. And if you go to Casa de Luz, you go over there, you're going you're gonna to be doing a merengue. It's just what we need. It's okay, and a healthy church is a healthy singing church, and it's a good to sing a diversity of songs, and we're going to be introducing some new ones to you. 
It's going to cut against maybe what you're used to in your culture. But we need it. We need a diversity of music depending on the moment that we're in. Some days you just need to break the chains and you need to dance and to praise him. I know you're worried. You're thinking, oh, are we going all Pentecostal in here? I know what you're thinking. Some of you are going, yeah, we're going all Pentecostal, you know? So, you know what? We're just going all in from the heart for him. And however you express that, you all express it differently, that's how you express it. But we're going all in for him. We're not going weird. We're going all in. We're going all in for him. And you can do that. It's a great thing. When my faith is rocked, I sing, great is thy faithfulness. In other moments, I just want to break the shackles so I can dance. I just want to praise him. I just want to praise him. Thank you, Mary, Mary. So the question is not can you sing. The question for us today is will you sing? You don't have to be great. You don't have to be in tune. And when you're singing, I sometimes worry about when I see in a congregation dead spots. Dead spots are places far away and there's not a lot of people and when there aren't people next to them, no one's singing to them. And it worries me because you don't sing when people aren't singing. You don't hear it. You just don't sing. And so you're there like this. And it's like you're going, you know, kind of like hoping nobody hears you. You move your lips. Maybe nothing comes out. But we're not going to be like that. So I'm going to ask you now. We're going to sing now. We're going to sing. It's, a, it's called the hymn of heaven. It's deep and it's lyrics, very true. If we've never sung it here. Maybe you know the tune. Maybe you know it, you can sing along, but it's new, and so newer songs are harder to sing. But this is more about asking God right now. Ask him, God, help me to take this song and the lyrics and put them in me. I, I want to understand them in my heart, write them on my heart. Help me, help me to focus. We don't focus well. Focus on the words and the images that those words create. And can we do that together? Would you all rise with me?